Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. Today, you can see a title for this talk. Hopefully, you can read that. It's a weird title Invisible Inheritance. And it's strange. It was strange to me too, but it's actually a word that I felt quite clearly spoken to me by the Holy Spirit and on, on September 9th. And I'm, I'm going to do something way different than I usually do. Most of you know me. Oh, by the way, hi on Facebook Live and um, Zoom and the people that might be joining us, especially my friends in Zambia. It's always good when you join us and I see your comments, so God bless you guys. I have a feeling some of you are there. If you didn't know, we have people that sometimes from around the world are joining us online, so welcome to you guys. Um, I'm, I usually will teach you by taking maybe a book of the Bible and going through it section by section. They call it exegetical preaching, or I'll take a topic and go through the Bible and teach all you know, things about that topic that we find in the Bible. And that's, that's my style, that's my value system. I really value the Word of God. But I've had a series of experiences and encounters with the Lord the last, oh, last month. And I'm going to mostly just tell you stories today, some experiences and stories. But it comes together with some biblical um, truth that I think will be really encouraging, especially if you're here and you're someone who has felt like you don't have the best spiritual heritage and it's sometimes a burden to you and makes you feel like you are not as good as those other people that have such a rich spiritual heritage. Uh, sometimes Satan uses our histories to bash us. Has anyone ever had the, Holy, the, spirit, the Satan bash you with stories of your history? Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's wicked, he doesn't play fair, he's always bad, there's nothing good about him. Uh, I don't like him. If I ever see him, I kick him. Uh, kick him right out. And you should do that too, because you've got authority to do that. In any case, uh, the title of this talk that I have for you is Invisible Inheritance, and then a subtitle of this thought, The Riches of Our Inheritance in Christ Are Much Greater Than We Could Even Imagine. Who could ever imagine? The riches of our inheritance in Christ are much greater than we could ever imagine. And I'll tell you how those words came to me on September 19th, 12 days ago, and what I thought they meant, and I was wrong, and they actually meant something else. The Lord was really speaking to me. And this, if, if you don't know me, this is not my sort of normal way. I'm not a guy that feels like God talks to me all the time. I mean, I get impressions, I pray, and is that, you know, you hear from the Lord with a, an impression to do something, to go here, to say this, but I've actually had some occasions where I've heard words like this, this two words, invisible inheritance, uh, in my ear from the Lord. And I'm going to try to describe these, um, what I've been going through. So the theme of spiritual heritage has been on my mind a lot the last month, the month of September. And 
we sing a song sometimes. We, we sing a song about thousands of generations earlier, but we sing a song called The Blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. That one? And, and it says in the, the bridge, may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you, beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you. Remember singing those words? But that, that concept, well, I'll read the next line. In the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going and rejoicing, he is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you, it says over and over. But that concept of a thousand generations is from the Bible. And in, in Deuteronomy 7, and we'll put this on the screen, I think, the Lord is speaking to the children of Israel as they are getting ready to go into the promised land. Deuteronomy is a retelling of the law, the Torah of God. And the Lord says this, the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. Like you weren't some great nation, Israel. You're the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers. God had 400 years earlier made a promise to a man named Abraham about his children and their children and their children and their children. He brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, referring to the Exodus when they were slaves in Egypt. From the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God. He's a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him, those who keep his commandments. And in the Exodus, when, when um, God gives the Ten Commandments, in the first commandment, you've heard of the Ten Commandments, right? Um, in the first, oh, you thought it was the Ten Suggestions, maybe. Uh, the Ten Commandments. In the first one, he says this, you shall love, you shall have no other gods before me. This is Exodus 20, verse 3. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You should not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So there's actually embedded there is a picture of negative spiritual inheritance and positive spiritual inheritance. And um, I started thinking about this a lot a month ago because I told you on August 29th, I went to Zambia to do a ministry trip. And on September 3rd, so a few days after we arrived, I was in the mission house. Some of you that have been to Breath of Heaven Children's Ministries know the mission house where people that go stay. And as we usually do, we had some of the older kids there in the evening, and we were playing Uno, which we like to do, and we get kind of wild and rambunctious with Uno, don't we, Michelle? It gets, we call it killer Uno, and it gets kind of crazy. Well, we're playing Uno, and I get a text message from my brother in Arizona it's nighttime, and he says, you got to call me. I'm trying to get a hold of you. I hate to tell you this in a text, but Dad just passed away. So I was like, what? And it got quiet in here, like you could imagine, right? So um, I go out, and I have someone else take my hand of Uno, and I get a hold of my brother. Here, it was Sunday morning, September. Uh, I think that's September 3rd, Sunday here, and you guys were all at the baptism. 
and my dad had just died in his house in Vista, and we were trying to find Kim and Carissa and Bryce, who were at the baptism, to get over to the house to be with mom. It's, it's really my stepmom, but she's been my mom for 32 years, so I, I call her mom. And that's all going on. Well, in all that context, I start thinking about the great spiritual heritage I have from my dad. Now, some of you have met him. Um, we had his 90th birthday party here in November, and a lot of you came, and it was incredible. My, my dad was a very godly man, and he was the kindest person I've ever met. Uh, he impacted a lot of lives. When I think of him, I have an image for all of my life, this image, him sitting in his chair in the family room with his Bible open on his lap, reading the Word. And my brothers would tell you the same story. He loved the word of God. So I have this, this really rich spiritual heritage from him. And, and many of you know, know him and you have felt that. I should tell you this because you might be curious, just a personal story. What had happened was he was, he was healthy, he, um, energetic, no loss of his you know, mental stamina. He was funny, fun. Well, we spent a lot of time together every week. Uh, but... On September 2nd, the day before he died, he, as a 90-year-old, was up and down ladders cleaning out his rain gutters at his house, and he shouldn't have been doing that. And, it, and his, he had heart trouble, as I should back up, those of you that have seen him saw him here when he spoke after he died six and a half years ago. Um, and people laughed because it's kind of a funny thing, because was he mostly dead or dead dead? Or what really happened in 2017 Around 8 p.m. on January 3rd, he died of a heart attack. And he had been in the hospital for a um, procedure, uh, outpatient procedure, and they said, there's a little too much blood after the procedure. Why don't we have him spend the night, watch him. Around 8 p.m. on January 3rd, he had a lot of chest pain, trouble, heart attack. They took him to the cath lab where they take the wire up the artery and tried to address a clot. While they're trying to address the clot, I'm arriving at the hospital with mom, and we hear over the speaker system, code blue, which means heart stopped. Get the code team there. And they worked on him, and they, they're doing CPR, you know, the, the pressure of the chest, trying to squeeze the heart to make sure that if he can survive, that his organs will have had oxygenated blood during this process. So they did CPR for a total of 55 minutes. Protocol's 20 minutes. Um, and finally, the cardiologist, his nurse, another doctor came out to us who were outside the room and said, we are so sorry, your dad didn't make it. We had the wire up to the clot, and we couldn't move it. And we hit it with all the chemicals you can, and, and it wouldn't go. And we never, he never had a heartbeat. He has no neurological activity. We're so sorry that your father didn't make it. We'll clean him up, and we'll put him in a room so you can say your goodbyes. And he was 83 at the time, and we were okay with it. He was a godly man, and many of you know the story, right? So, but you, you, it's fun to hear again, though, right? And I won't tell the long story. The long story is even more fun. But the short story is after a long time of him being dead, um, three hours, I think, three and a half hours with no heartbeat, my brother, who was there in the room saying our goodbyes, felt an unction to go over like Elisha in the Old Testament with that boy that had died, and put his forehead to his forehead, his nose to his nose, his mouth over his mouth, and he did it. And I watched him, and I thought, what the heck is he doing? That's weird. 
because I didn't know what the Lord had told him. And he said a prayer or something like this, I command the breath of life to come into you. And my dad opened his eyes and said, it hurts, because his ribs had been broken from the CPR three hours earlier. And he came back from the dead. And they called him the miracle man. And to this day, you can go to the hospital, Tri-City, and probably run into a nurse that was there. And they will tell you the story of the miracle man, because everyone knew about it. And it's in the medical records. And we had him another six and a half years after that. Okay, so September, so I, that's why I feel kind of happy. I have a 90-year-old dad who's a godly man. Okay, so on September 3rd, you would love to hear this story, because it's, it's actually romantic. And it's just so beautiful. So he's, 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 he's worn out after doing the rain gutters. He doesn't go on his usual hour-long walk with mom. Uh, he wants to rest. She comes home. He's still not feeling well, sitting in his chair. And he says, I have to spit something up. So she gets him a little cup while he's sitting in his chair. And he spits something up that is like tan, she told me. Like the color of creamed coffee. Coffee with creamer. That, and she said, what did you eat for breakfast? And he said, that's not breakfast, that's my heart. And he knew that he was going. She said, should I call 911? And he said, absolutely not, I'm not going through that again. He did not want to be rescued <laughs> one more time and have all his ribs broken and go through that whole thing, which I understand. She prayed and said, Lord, what do I do? And, and she felt like the Lord said he needs permission to go because she knew he loved her and would stay as long as he could to care for her. So she grabbed his hands, looked in his eyes, and said, I will be okay. And he squeezed her hands and said, I love you. <laughs> this is kind of funny. She said, I love you too, but I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so she goes to the bathroom and comes back, and he's like this. His eyes are closed, and he's in heaven. His last words were, I love you. And I think... That's the way I'd like to go. 90 years old, full of life. She's at peace because of this whole experience. And I'm, so that's all happening. I'm thinking of spiritual heritage. So that's kind of context for you. We're doing good with story time? Okay. Um, while I was in Zambia, I was teaching at a school of ministry for the vineyard churches there, teaching... like pastors and, and young people that are moving into ministry, and there was another teacher there named Dale Walker. He's probably in his mid-60s. He pastors a church in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and he was phenomenal. What a great leader. He was very prophetic. We had some uh, worship nights with ministry, praying over people, prophesying. I was like, wow, this guy's awesome. So I had an experience that's related to spiritual heritage. Believe it or not, all the stories I tell you, they're going to come together. So hang in there. Um, one Friday night in Zambia, we're worshiping, and the grandson of Dale Walker was also in Zambia, 19-year-old, also a 16-year-old grandson, and a daughter. While we're worshiping, I suddenly have a vision of the 19-year-old's face in front of me, like in, a, in the profile picture on Facebook, you know, like a circle. I see his face. Um, I'm, I'm singing to God, why am I seeing this 19-year-old's face? It shows up, and I hear the Lord say, I am giving him the spiritual inheritance of his grandfather, especially leadership and prophecy. And I was like, 
wow. And I, I don't get stuff like this very often, right? But it was like clear. And I was like, is that you, Lord? He said, yes. Am I supposed to go tell him and then pray over him? Yes. So I go pray over the 19-year-old kid, tell him this story. And then I tell Dale what happened. And I asked him, what do, you, do you believe in spiritual heritage, inheritance? And he said, oh, yeah. And he told me this story. Dale, the other co-teacher, mid-60s, his grandfather was the first guy in their family to meet Jesus. He was led to the Lord in some circumstance, and he became a worship leader. And most of his kids and his grandkids and now great-kids are all following the Lord because of what the Lord did when he saved them. But listen to this. In his family, from the grandfather down, are 50 worship leaders. Is 50, five zero worship leaders. So he said, yeah, I believe in spiritual heritage. And I was like, wow, that's fascinating. And that my own story is that um, I told you I have this great father, but his grandfather was a German immigrant who was a Lutheran minister um, in Michigan. And I found out from a cousin you know, kind of following the downline, that in his down, family line, great-grandfather to me, then father, grandfather, comes to our generation, there are 28 people in our family who are pastors. Do you think there might be something to spiritual... I mean, what are the odds? 28 people are, like, full-time pastors in my family? So th there's this whole spiritual heritage thing that I've been thinking about. And... Um, I also know a little bit about negative spiritual heritage. And I was thinking, like in the Bible, for example, Abraham, we're told, is married to Sarah. He goes during a time of um, drought, he and his wife go to Egypt to find food. And while he's there, he thinks, my wife is so beautiful the king Pharaoh is going to see her, kill me to have her. So let's make a deal and lie to everyone and say you're my sister. Have you read this story? She ends up in Pharaoh's harem, but he never sleeps with her. He finds out and there's this whole to do. And he's like, why did you lie to me? He's like, oh, I thought you'd kill me. And Pharaoh gives him a bunch of money and he leaves. Then later on, Abraham and Sarah end up in the Philistine country where Abimelech is the king. Have you read this story? And, and then he does it again. And he tells everyone, oh, she's my sister. And Abimelech is like, takes her into his harem, and he's about to sleep with her, and everyone's getting sick in the king's family, and he sees, sees Abraham, and he, he finds out, he's like, why'd you lie to me? And I was afraid. And then he prays for the family. It's an interesting story. Well, then later on, Abraham, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Abraham has a son named Isaac. Isaac's married to Rebecca. They end up, many years later, going to the Philistine country. And what does he do? He lies to the king and says, this is my sister. Remember that story? And you're thinking, well, did he even know? And the same thing happens. Well, later he has the son named Jacob. And Jacob has that whole story. Do you know the story of Jacob and Rachel? How he works for Jacob, uh, Rachel's father, Laban, for seven years to have the right, works for free for seven years. All he wants is let your daughter be my wife. And what does Laban do? When it comes time 
for the wedding night. By the way, their tradition's different than ours. They didn't have a wedding ceremony. Basically, the father says, here's your bride, take her into your tent, make love, and you will be married. But she's wearing a veil, and Laban gives Jacob Rachel's sister. What are the odds of sister, sister, sister? I also, I know a, a story um, from, from decades ago, um, someone that we knew who had a tragic situation um, where a husband had an affair, and he actually had an affair with his wife's sister. And it was a lot of work, but God healed the whole thing, saved the marriage, restored the family relationship. You're thinking of the dynamics there, right? But here's what was weird. They discovered in the process that there was a family secret, that the sister's mother and her sister had exactly the same thing happen in their generation. Negative spiritual inheritance. So this is all kind of backdrop in my story. To This is going to get somewhere, and I'm going to use the Bible, believe it or not, <laughs> that I think will encourage you. Um, another part that I have to tell you. So my dad had this great history, but my mom's history wasn't so great. My mom's um, mother was an alcoholic, and I, I don't ever remember seeing her without a beer in her hand from morning to night. She just, we used to say she's nursing in beer all day long. She was always somewhat drunk. She, with her husband, owned a bar, so their life was all about drinking and partying. My mom's father, when my mom was a little girl, had an affair with a teenager and got her pregnant. And as a result, there was a divorce. And my mom's mom had a choice. You can have the kids or you can have the bar. And mom chose the bar. So my mom, as a nine-year-old, was rejected by her mother, who was an alcoholic, who fought so violently with her husband when they got drunk that my mom as a little girl would go into the kitchen and hide the knives because she thought they're gonna kill each other. She is rejected by her mom, gains a stepmother who's 18, and becomes a second mom to her little half-sisters. And that's, that's her spiritual heritage. And that's important in the whole story. So, now 12 days ago, it's September 19th. I am spending time, I'm spending a lot of time at mom's house, my second mom, who just had her husband die. And I'm in the morning, 12 days ago, praying and saying, Lord, thank you so much for the spiritual heritage you've given me with my father. Just, you know, praising him. And when I said that, I heard the Lord say something to me. He said, you have no idea. And then, as I'm hearing, you have no idea, the two words, the title of this talk, comes into my mind, invisible inheritance. And I went, what the, what does that mean? Was that you? And he said, yes. And I said, you're going to tell me more? Yes. I'm supposed to tell the church about this, huh? He said, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let's develop this. Um, one of my favorite verses, by the way, is, is Psalm 16, where David writes this, Lord, you have assigned my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely, 
I have a delightful inheritance. And I've said that over my whole life. Thank you, Lord, for the spiritual inheritance you gave me. I grew up in a Christian home. I don't remember not knowing that Jesus died for my sins and that I wanted to follow him all my life. I don't know that experience. What a delightful inheritance. Well, so I say, you, thank you, Lord, for, my, for the spiritual heritage you've given me. He says, you have no idea. Invisible inheritance. And I'm thinking at the moment, well, he's saying you have no idea the depth of the heritage you have from your dad's family line. It's more than you think. And I was completely wrong, I found out. That's not what he was saying at all. And that's where I think it's going to be a blessing to you when I get to the end of all of this. So I'm, I'm spending, you know, the, the, week, the next two weeks thinking, praying, and thinking I'm going to share with you soon today about this. I better hear what the Lord wants to say. Give me something besides these two words. And on Friday night, two nights ago, I felt like the Lord said, go look at King David's spiritual heritage. King David in the Bible, the one that the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. King David that loved the presence of God above all else. King David that had the vision for building the temple, Solomon's temple. King David who established worship at the heart of Israel. The, King David who wrote half of the Psalms. King David who invented a thousand instruments for worship. King David who set up literally a staff of thousands of people to worship God day and night in the temple of God. King David who wrote these words, Psalm 27, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, one thing that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. That King David, I felt like the Lord said, Look at his spiritual heritage. So I did. Do you know who his, his grandmother was? Anyone? Who was David's grandmother and grandfather? Ah, you don't know. Ruth. Ruth the Moabitess. Moabite is not a, a hero in the Bible. Those are the bad guys. Ruth is not an Israelite, and she's David's grandmother. She somehow gets inserted into the messianic line. And the story there, you should read Ruth, but you doing good with stories? You staying with me? Okay, so here's Ruth's story that I read about Friday night. And I knew it, but I read it again. Naomi is an Israelite. She's married to a man. She has two sons. There's another drought. They go into Moab, the country of the enemies of Israel, because there's food there. While they're there, her two sons married two Moabite women. Now, I should tell you, if you don't know the heritage of the Moabites, it's nasty. Moab was the fruit of an incestuous relationship between a father, Lot, and his daughter, where the daughter got the father drunk in order to have sex with him so she could get pregnant. It's a really rugged story but it's part of the story in the Bible. That's Ruth's spiritual heritage. And she becomes the grandmother of David. You with me? I mean, like, wow, that's not so good. Naomi, husband, two sons, go to Moab. The sons marry two, two of the Moabite women. One is Ruth. The other is Orpah. One, after a while, Naomi's husband dies, and her two sons die. So now there's three widows, Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. And the, the famine ends, and Naomi's going to go back to Israel. She says to her daughters, you know, go to your hometown, find new husbands, good, have a good life, I'm going to go find food in my hometown. And Ruth says to her, 
Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me ever so severely if anything separates me from you other than death. And as I'm reading this on Friday night, I felt like the Lord told me something that I can't prove biblically, but I think it might be true. I felt like he said, that's where David's heart after me came from. That's where his spiritual heritage came from. That woman's heart that said, I will do anything to be with you and your God and your people. And I went, really? So I wrote that in my Bible. And then, as I'm reading that, I'm reading what I wrote about Ruth, the grandfather of David, the man with the heart after God, her spiritual heritage. Friday night, I'm just following this trail, and I hear the Lord say to me, where do you think you got your heart after the Lord? Now, so if you don't know me, you should know this. I love the presence of the Lord and have since I was a little boy. I always have. I was speaking in tongues at four years old. My parents told me that the, my, my friends, when I was five down the street, their parents said, your son is coming and preaching at us at five. I've always loved the church. I've loved worship. I've, I love the presence of the Lord. And I felt like the Lord said, where do you think you got your heart? Spiritual heritage. He said, from your mom. My mom? The one whose mother was the alcoholic and the affair with the grandfather and the, really? And he said, yeah, your mom was like Ruth in a sense. Because, another story. When my dad was dating my mom, she was 19, and he wanted to make sure she was saved. So he took her to the pastor. And the pastor told her about Jesus and how to have a personal relationship with the Lord. And she bought in heart and soul. She dove in completely. And she went from her old life to a life of being completely devoted to Jesus. And if you don't believe me, you can ask Doris, who was her really dear friend before she died in 1990. My mom died in 1990, if you didn't know that. Oh, I know, oh, but what a heritage I had, right? She was a, when she died, I said, Lord, I was 25 years old, and I said, thank you for giving me 25 years of a wonderful mother. I didn't say, why did you take her? I said, thank you for giving her to me for all those years, which changes everything. That's a whole nother sermon. So, so she, are you following me with all these stories? Okay, so I think my mom was like Ruth and that she fully got grafted in to the body of Christ. And this is where it's coming back to some of us in this room. The Bible describes when we come to Christ the picture of a wild olive tree versus a cultivated olive tree in an olive grove. And it says, imagine taking a branch, cutting it off of a wild olive tree, and grafted it into a cultured olive grove, olive tree. And when you, you know about grafting, right? You can graft branches into other trees. When you do that, the life of the root of the cultured olive tree from the olive grove 
goes into the wild branch, and the wild branch now gets the full inheritance of the tree. And here's what it says. Romans 11, 16. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some branches have been broken off, and you, he's speaking to Gentile believers now, who had no heritage in God, but now do because of Jesus. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and now share the nourishing sap from the olive root. That's the important phrase. You who've been grafted in now share the nourishing sap from the olive root. And he goes on to say, don't be all like arrogant like you're something. It wasn't you. It was God's love for you. So don't have an attitude about those people that were not receiving Messiah. Okay? So, but the point is, if the root is holy, the branches are holy. If you've been grafted in, you are holy. Here's the point for you folks in me. If you've come from a not very good spiritual heritage, if, if your life was negative and your parents were negative and there was drugs and alcohol and violence and crime, but you've put your faith in Jesus, you've been grafted in. And you have the full inheritance of the people of God all the way to the root of Abraham. And you're not second class. And sometimes I think that people who don't have the story like I have of being raised in a Christian home with a grandfather that was, you know, a pastor, 28 pastors, or like Dale, 50 worship leaders, you think, oh, yeah, I, I can't compare. And that's a lie. Because if you've been grafted in by faith in Jesus, you have the full spiritual inheritance of the people of God. Father Abraham, the man of faith, who became the father of Isaac, who became the father of Jacob, and the people of Israel, and the worship, and the father of David, ultimately the father of Messiah. So when God said to me, you have no idea, that's what he was referring to. You have no idea how rich is your inheritance if you've put your faith in Christ. No idea. Listen to Galatians. You are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. You have, if you're in Christ, a rich spiritual heritage and here's what is yours the promise given to Abraham way back in Genesis when the Lord found Abram and said before his name got changed to Abraham leave your country your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you I will make you into a great nation and bless you I will make your name great and you will be a blessing I will be I will bless those who bless you Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples of earth will be blessed through you. That is your spiritual heritage. You have no idea. You have no idea that you have the heritage of being called to be a blessing through the power of God everywhere you go. And that's the invisible inheritance. 
That's the invisible inheritance. It's not just spiritual. It's not obvious. You can't see it by looking at your family line like I was thinking. I was wrong. You have a rich heritage and in Christ. There's no Jews or Greeks. There's no first class, second class. There's no, well, if I only had been into that family like that, then I would be so much better. No, no. You were born into that family. That's why it's called born again. You were born into the family of God if you have faith in Jesus Christ. So I'd be remiss not to read another scripture. Are you still with me, by the way? You were doing good? Okay. Ephesians Paul writes to the church at Ephesus with these words. I pray, he could be praying this for you and me. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. I pray that you would know it. His incomparably power, incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, all authority, all power, dominion, every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but in the age to come. Wow, Paul, that's a lot of words about you. And he placed everything under his feet. And appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fits, fills everything in every way. So, that verse that I told you that's one of my favorite, I want to read to you again because I want it to be your verse. Lord, you have assigned me my portion in my cup. You have made my lot secure. Do you, you know, lots are like when they would cast lots to kind of like rolling the dice. Remember that? And that's how they divided the land up and decided who was the inheritance. And they said God was behind it. You have made my lot secure. You have determined my inheritance is what that's saying. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Do you feel your identity in Christ? Your identity is rich. You have such an incredible invisible inheritance. Such an incredible spiritual inheritance. Psalm 16 can be yours. Now. I want to see if we can go into some ministry time because I have a feeling after hearing those words that God's doing some things in some of your hearts, you think. Let's stand up together and, and ask the Holy Spirit to impart something to us because your heritage is to be a blessing like Abraham. You are empowered to go Everywhere you go with the full blessing of God at your resource to bless others. You need to know that. It will change how you carry yourself. You'll know when you enter a room that you're there because God wants to bless someone through you. You understand? There is so much identity in that. And I can tell you, it's a joyful experience to walk in a room and think, wow, you sent me here because you want to bless those people. And I'm going to bring blessing because of my heritage in you. It's powerful. It's powerful. 
and it's what you're called to be. So Holy Spirit, would you please rest upon us right now? people. Cause this word to become real in their lives. Some of you, if you have struggled with negative voices in your mind even beating you up because of your past and the past of your family and the past of your parents, we'd like to pray over you and completely obliterate that so that you are knowing that you've been broken off from that branch and grafted in to the root of Jesus Christ. If that's you, prayer team people, you need to come to the front, please be ready to pray for some people. If you have that experience, would you please come and have some people pray over you? And I think the Holy Spirit's gonna powerfully set you free today, untie you and set you on a new course to be a blessing wherever you go. <coughs> Minister Holy Spirit across the room, even on Facebook Live and Zoom. Receive your inheritance, people. Receive your inheritance. It's given to you. Take it and use it to bless everywhere you go. If it's possible that anyone's here and you have not given your life to Jesus, I just described to you what happens when you do. If you will put your faith in Jesus, the Son of God, not only will He wipe away your sins and their effects and cleanse you from them, He will give you a new inheritance. You will have a new heritage, the richest one on the face of the earth. If you haven't ever given your life to Jesus, today's your day. Look to him and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I trust my life into your hands. Forgive me of my old way and all my sins. Fill me with your spirit and bring me into your family with your heritage and your future. I receive it now in Jesus' name. <laughs> so good. What we're going to do now is there's opportunity to get more prayer. Uh, Amy and the worship band are going to lead us in some worship. And I'm going to say these words of blessing to you, over you. The Lord bless you keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless you guys. Let's continue to worship and pray for each other and walk in our spiritual inheritance. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere.
to know and worship God.